Hi, I'm Anne Lang. I normally go to the 1045 congregation at TAC. I'm going to read the Bible for us this morning. Uh, if you'd like to pull out your Bible app or your Bible, um, we're going to be reading from John chapter 2, verse 23, through to chapter 3, verse 21. So reading from John chapter 2, starting at verse 23. While he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, Many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. Jesus, however, would not entrust himself to them since he knew them all. And because he did not need anyone to testify about man, for he himself knew what was in man. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, Unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. Truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Hi friends, uh, it is a bit sad that we are not able to be in person, but it's great that we can still study God's word. 
today's talk is in John chapter 2 verses 23 to John chapter 3 verses uh, 21. Uh, if you haven't gotten your Bible with you, it would be great if you could uh, grab one and have it open in front of you as we navigate through this passage. And let me pray to God so that he may help us to understand better his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity we have to read your word and study. Our prayer, Lord, that today you may give us a heart that is willing to listen to you. And Lord, that through your spirit, you may work in us and make us more like Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Trust. Uh, we live in a society that is built on trust. If you think about it, we need trust for everything. Relationships, politics, uh, businesses, day-to-day uh, -day things. Uh, trust is so important that Forbes magazine explained it in uh, this way. There are just a few elemental forces that hold our world uh, together. The one that's the glue of society is called trust. Its presence cements relationships by allowing people to live and work together feel safe and belong to a group. Now what's interesting is that despite our human craving for trust, trust is something hard to come by. We live in a society that cannot be trusted. All the time we deal with people that say things that aren't true or that disappoint us. Fake news fuel the social media spaces. So much so that even politicians who we elect to govern and rule our society cannot be trusted. This week, the federal MP Azali Stigl came to the news spotlight because she warned that under Australian law, it is perfectly legal to lie in political advertisement. In order to restore public trust in politicians, she has tabled a bill that bans inaccurate and misleading ads during election campaigns. Lies, deceits, fill all spheres of society. And, and so how can we trust? How can we trust anyone? Now, trust issues is not just a today's uh, problem. Back in Jesus' day, it was also a problem. In the passage we read, we see that there are trust issues on Jesus' end towards people. In uh, chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 23, we see that many people are starting to believe in Jesus' name. Another word for believe is uh, trust. People are trusting in Jesus. However, by the time we get to verse 24, we are told that Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about men, for he himself knew what was in a man. Now, Jesus knows what is in men. He, he knows people. He knows everyone. He knows what's in me and in you. And, and that is sin. When we do things our way instead of God's way, we are sinning. And because of sin, we all fail. We can't be trusted. And that is the case with Nicodemus. Uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, we are introduced to this man, Nicodemus. Uh, and from the point of view of the people, uh, Nicodemus was probably a trustworthy person. 
we are told in uh, verse 1 that he was a Pharisee, uh, which means he strived to follow God's word. We are also told that he was a ruler of the Jews, which means he was someone that people looked up to. However, uh, despite Nicodemus's background and his qualifications, uh, John, the, the writer of this book, tells us he was still just a man. Let's look at chapter 3, uh, verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. As we saw in the previous verse, uh, Jesus knows what is in a man, and so he knows what is in Nicodemus. He knows Nicodemus cannot be trusted. Now, this is important uh, because it will help us understand the interaction between uh, Jesus and uh, Nicodemus. You see, uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at the middle of the night, uh, probably bringing a question to ask Jesus. But we don't even get to hear the Nicodemus question. Because in verse 3, uh, Jesus interrupts Nicodemus and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus goes straight to the problem of Nicodemus. Nicodemus' biggest problem is that he cannot see the kingdom of God. He probably thought as a Pharisee who strived to obey the law, he would be uh, alright with God. But because of sin, his untrustworthiness, he can't even see the kingdom of God. But Jesus not only points out to Nicodemus' problem, he also offers him a solution. Nicodemus, he needs to be born again. Now, Nicodemus doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. Look at verse 4. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus's reaction may not seem as surprising. After all, the Old Testament does not use born-again language. So how was Nicodemus supposed to understand what Jesus was saying? When I was studying this passage, what really surprised me was that Jesus expected that Nicodemus should have understood what born-again meant. You see, in, in verse 10, Jesus says, Are you a teacher of Israel and yet do not understand these things? So, what's going on here? How was Nicodemus supposed to understand what Jesus meant by needing to be born again? Uh, Emily and I, we uh, live in Enmore, in the Winter West which means that the streets are much more narrow than they are in Tun Gabi. A few months ago, the council garbage truck scraped through our road and damaged our back fence, uh, and also our neighbor's back fence. Since then, we've been uh, contacting our neighbor to solve this problem. Uh, our neighbor's name is Hu. It's spelled H-U. He's a very nice guy, but sometimes his name can lead to some confusion and, and a few laughs. Emily comes to me and says, who's at the door? And I'm like, I don't know who's at the door. And she's like, no, who, the neighbor, is at the door. 
Now, I think something like this might have happened to Nicodemus. If you take a look uh, to verse 3 in your Bibles, chances are that you have a footnote next to the word again, saying that it can be read as from above. What Jesus is saying is that Nicodemus needs to be born again, that he needs to be born from above. And that's language that Nicodemus should have understood from the Old Testament. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis uh, chapters uh, 1 to 3, which was known to Nicodemus, we are introduced to two dominions. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The word heavens in the Bible can either mean the blue sky or space above our heads, but it's also a reference to the dominion where God and all the spiritual beings live. And so there are two dominions created by God, the heavens and the earth. Uh, the place where God and all spiritual beings live and the place where animals, plants and humans live. Uh, the dominion from above ruled by God, and the dominion from below, ruled by men. Now God brings these two dominions together in chapter 2 of Genesis. He creates this idyllic garden called Eden, where God and humanity live together. And this is really the, the peak of humanity. It was a time when man and God lived in deep relationship with one another. But by the time we reach chapter 3, we see that sin enters the world. Humanity rejects God. God expels humanity from the garden. And from then onwards, humanity and God become separate. We humans were no longer able to reach God's kingdom and the eternal life that he gives. And this is Nicodemus's main problem. He cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus' solution is that Nicodemus needs to be born again. He needs to be born from above. Now Jesus expands what he meant in verses 6 of John chapter 3. Verse 6 and 7, let's read. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again, or you must be born from above. Just like there were two dominions, uh, the heavens and the earth, the dominion from above and the dominion uh, from below, uh, Jesus is saying that there are two births, the birth from above and the birth from below, the birth from the spirit and the birth from the flesh. Now Nicodemus had already been born in the flesh. He had the birth from below. He, he was human. But he needs to be born again. Be born from above in the spirit. Now this is not just a problem uh, for Nicodemus. Anyone who is born in the flesh and not in the spirit cannot be trusted. And so like Nicodemus, we cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, and that's you and I. We can't uh, be trusted. At some point of our lives, we fail and disappoint others. 
Perhaps you've made commitments and promises to do something, but then you didn't follow it through with it. Perhaps, uh, like me, you may like to press uh, maybe on a Facebook event. Why is that? Why is there a maybe option in the first place? It's because we can't keep up with our word. We don't want to commit in case there is something better or more important that comes up. Perhaps you fail to be uh, trustworthy in your relationships with friends and family. It's easy to love others when they love us uh, back and you get something in return. But when that's not the case, our love quickly dwindles. We are tempted to distance ourselves from the relationship instead of loving sacrificially like Jesus. And so we are just like Nicodemus. We can't be trusted and therefore we cannot see the kingdom of God. And so our only hope is to be born again, be born from above in the spirit. Now, how can someone be born from above in the spirit when he is completely separate from the dominion of God? Now, Jesus answers this question in uh, verse uh, 13 onwards. Uh, read with me. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, if you are unfamiliar with the story of the serpent, it comes up in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. At the time, the people of God were in the desert and they started to grumble and complain against Moses and God. As a result, God sent fiery serpents among the people who beat them and people died. Now, the people of God repented from their grumbling and God said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is beaten, when he sees it, shall live. And so, every time someone was beaten, he could look at the serpents and be healed. Now, this is the background for what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 3. Here, Jesus is making a comparison between the serpent that Moses lifted up in the desert and a son of a man that will be lifted up. He's saying there will be someone, a son of man, that is someone descended from a man, uh, someone from the earth's dominion, there will be lifted up and saved from death everyone who believes and looks at him. And this is, of course, a reference to Jesus. Uh, later in chapter 19 of John, uh, Jesus is killed and he is uh, lifted up uh, on a cross so that everyone who believes and looks at him may be saved. And because of that, this uh, son of man is not just a son of man, but the uh, son of man. The only one man whose death and resurrection created a way for man to reach God's kingdom. Now, Jesus' explanation doesn't end here. In, in verses 16 to 18, uh, Jesus presents a slightly different uh, perspective. Uh, you see, in these verses, uh, the focus is no longer on 
the Son of Man that is raised up, but rather the Son of God that comes down. God gives His Son, He sends His only Son into the world, so that the world might be saved through Him. Now, this is very important. Uh, Jesus is not talking about two sons, a son of man that is raised up, and a son of God uh, that comes uh, out from heaven. But rather, what Jesus is talking about is one son. One that is both uh, the son of man and the son of God. And, and that is Jesus. He is both a man and a God. You see, in uh, verse uh, 13, the one who descends from heaven is the Son of Man. Whereas in verse 17, it is God's Son who comes uh, from heaven. Now Jesus has been telling Nicodemus that there are two births. The birth of the flesh and the birth of the Spirit. The birth from below and the birth from above. We're all born in the flesh and we need to be born again. We need to be born in the Spirit. Jesus, on his end, he is, does not need two births. He is both one in the Spirit and in the flesh. He is the only one who is both man and God. And because of that, he is the only one that is able to end the chasm between heavens and earth. He is both the Son of God sent from heaven and the Son of Man that was raised up. Two natures. God and man in one person. And so, how can we be born from above? Uh, how can we be born in the Spirit when we are completely separate from the dominion of God? Well, in a sense, we can't. But Jesus can. Jesus is both of the Spirit and of the flesh. And so this new birth that Jesus is talking about is not about us and what we can do. It's all about Jesus and what he did. He was the one who provided a way for humanity to reach the heavens. And we just have to trust him. And that's what Jesus is saying. Look at verse 15. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Verse 16, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. To believe is to trust. We just have to trust Jesus. You see, uh, we live in a society that is built on trust. But trust in our world is a fickle thing. Because of sin, in this earthly dominion, trust can never be absolute. Nothing can ever be fully trusted. And that's why the saying goes, don't put all your eggs in the same basket. And why is that? Because the basket can't be fully trusted. Baskets fail and fall and eggs break. What Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is that the only way he can see the kingdom of God, the only way he can be born again, the only way he can escape the condemnation of God and be saved is by believing in him, by trusting in Jesus. 
not trusting him at 90% or 99%, but trusting in him with 100%. If we want to see the kingdom of God, we need to trust Jesus with all that we are. And this is something countercultural to us. It means to put all our eggs in Jesus' basket. And why should we do that? Because there is no other basket. There is no other son of God that comes from heaven. There is no other son of man that was raised up. Uh, there is only one, only one who can forgive sins, only one who can link the heavens and the earth, only one who can give eternal life, only one who can save us from condemnation, only one who was righteous on earth and fully obeyed God, only one who brings light into our dark worlds, only one who can be fully trusted, and his name is Jesus. Friends, if we don't put our faith in Jesus, as verse 18 says, we are already condemned. Because we are already born into a birth of sin and death, a birth that can't reach God. Where is your trust? Where is your trust? Is your trust in the government? the Covid vaccine or perhaps the national health system? Is it in your spouse? Is your trust perhaps in your children or in the security of your job? Is it in your savings or in your retirement plan? Is your trust in your church a minister or perhaps in Tungabi Anglican Church? Is your trust in your own devotion to God? Where is your trust? And I speak for myself. Em and I, we are resigning from our current jobs uh, in order to go to Portugal. And to put all our trust in Jesus' basket, it can feel sometimes really hard. We are constantly tempted to put our trust on the things that are around us. For example, for M, going to Portugal means leaving her safe job as a pharmacist and relying on God alone to provide for us through his people. And, and it's hard. For me, well, I'm leaving behind a pre-stable work in ministering to students at Sydney Uni, where there's a big team of supportive staff in order to go to a country where I know that there will be very few Christian support and not many networks of support. And so I have to trust in Jesus and that can feel really hard. What about you? What holds you back from fully trusting in Jesus? Now, Jesus recognizes this hardship. Uh, read with me the last verses, uh, verse 19 to 21. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works may have been carried out in God. 
Uh, there's a, a Christian song called Rejoice, and it's quite popular amongst some Sydney evangelicals. But uh, let me spare your ears. In, instead of me singing it, uh, I'll just read the second stanza of uh, the song. And it says, uh, We are children of the promise, the beloved of the Lord, one with everlasting kindness, but with sacrificial blood, bringing reconciliation to a world that longs to know, the affections of a father who will never let them go. Uh, there is something odd in uh, these uh, lyrics. A world that longs to know the affections of the father? Well, that's not what Jesus tells us. Uh, you see, in uh, verse uh, 19, it says that people loved darkness rather than light. The world does not long to know Jesus. The world wants to hide from Jesus, to stay in darkness. And why is that? Because the light, uh, Jesus, he, he reveals our sin. He reveals our untrustworthiness. And, and that's hard. Who wants to be seen as untrustworthy? And, and that's exactly why Jesus came. Uh, the light has come to the world to expose the truth, to reveal our sin. Now, here's the thing. Uh, chances are, if you are listening to uh, this talk, you already came to the light. You have uh, recognized your sin and repented from it and trusted Jesus. Now, if that's you, praise God. But Jesus did not come just to you. He came to the world. He came for the people in Tungabi and surrounds, and he came for the people in Portugal. The world lives in darkness and does not know the truth. And so my last question to you today is, what will be your response to that? Are you going to keep Jesus for yourself? Hide the light inside the walls of your home or the church? Or are you going to let Jesus be known to the world? Can your non-Christian friends Trust in you that you will tell them the truth. Or are you going to be untrustworthy and hide the truth away from them? To let Jesus be known in the world is hard. People love darkness and they will oppose the light. So today we saw that because of our untrustworthiness and sin, no one is able uh, to see uh, the kingdom of God. But Jesus uh, offers us an opportunity. He is the one who has both descended and ascended uh, to heaven. And he knows uh, the way to God. All we need to do is put our trust in Jesus' basket. Where do you put uh, your trust? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for you've sent him to the world to show us your kingdom. We are sorry for the times we have not put all our trust in him. Thank you for in Jesus we can be forgiven. We pray, Father, that you help us to put our trust in Jesus' basket and not be afraid to speak of him to the world. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.